The following podcast is a production of Hardly Awesome Studios in association with the network. Find us at BICBP-radio.com. You are about to embark on a journey. It is hardly awesome. Why, hello there. I guess uh, you have to deal with me talking to you today. Uh, I told Chris and Jim that, hey, you know, I know it's this weekend guys are busy and tired so hey why not let me record a solo show for you this week and that's kind of what we're doing here just kidding they actually both texted me telling me that they were busy last night said hey anthony you're gonna have to handle this one solo dolo and i was like you got it bros you got it so here we are right now that's how you got it uh, welcome to the show this is harley awesome the mullen experience i'm your host mullen uh just kidding anthony mullen and not joined by chris or jim or Jay or anyone else we would possibly have on a guest or challenge or anyone else, I guess. I mean, I do understand that. I just repeated myself, like I said before. It's a solo show, and I kind of told Chris, hey, I'm going to picture this kind of being like Bill Burr's morning. Uh, Sunday, was it Sunday morning after Thursday morning show? It, Bill Burr's podcast. It's, it's, funny, it's, it's funny as hell. I love it. it. It gives me inspiration to say, hey, I want to do a solo show because listen to him. He does this thing where he's talking to himself in his room or wherever he's recording, and he just goes off rambling. It's like, man, that's awesome. I'm not that much of a quick-witted comedian. We'll see what we got here. I got a bit of a format here. I've got the notes of how Chris usually has the outline of the show going. I mean, I can handle this. my first podcast. I can handle this, I think. So let's get right into this opening topic of what's going on in our week. All right, so what is going on in my week? First off, shout out to Jim for making it through another year. Happy birthday, dude. Your birthday was yesterday, which is why I'm running solo dolo. Chris and Jim went to go see a uh, concert last night, and they were busy and tired and shot by this morning. So I said, hey, we'll do this. Like I said, for myself, though, Saturday night, I had some D&D with friends. Uh, it was one of my original uh, campaigns. Uh, with mine, with me and my wife Amber's uh, friends at our house, we did like a nine-hour session of D and D. Brought the players right back to the big bad villain that they had left off with a year and a half ago. We haven't come back and rallied since then. And I brought them through a nice dungeon crawl, going through a castle, fighting some vampires. Unfortunately, they didn't complete it yet, so there's going to have to be another session again. That's kind of how D and D goes. No. You win some, you lose some, and sometimes it leaves off, and you only get as far as the front door within nine hours of D&D. We'll, we'll see how far they get next time. I'm sure I'm going to bug Chris and Jim with it, but I really like D&D because it gives me an opportunity to just kind of expand my creativity, be out there. Full disclosure, I mean, I'm sure that if you play Dungeons & Dragons or you are a dungeon master, you play any kind of role, um, tabletop role-playing game, you're the game master. You understand, you know, you're going to plan and prepare for what you would, per, what you would think would be a solid seven-hour night. Expand, expect to, you know, give or take a couple hours in either direction. But with all this planning and preparation you have, 
your players are still going to throw you screw uh, curveballs. And one of the things I I love is that as a DM, I very much honor the rule. Uh, not, not the honor the rules. I honor the dice rolls so, and, and the player choices. So if they try to fight everything that I'm giving them, unless I give them a very like clear, you're being railroaded in this direction. This is what you have to do. You 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 got to go here. You you got to see this guy. You you gotta get to do this. Apart from that, I can even tell them that they can still say, "Well, fuck you. I'm gonna go in the opposite direction." I've had groups do that. It, it sucks. What you can do though, I mean, you can reroute them, but they're gonna make the choice they want to make. And I put I put my party up into a castle, and they did the opposite thing that I was planning for. And I eventually got them right back on track, but we took a huge detour. I'm like, motherfuckers. Maybe go a two, three hour out of the way scenario that I didn't even plan for. And it was just, what the hell? And that's kind of how my D&D runs. It's very fun because uh, I'll do like, you know, I, I tell them, I go, hey guys, I plan for all of tonight. But yet it's all 50-50 improv and 50-50 bullshit because anything I plan for, you're going to throw out the window. And that's kind of what happened. It was a good time yesterday. Uh, you know, we got another one going uh, following this. But apart from that, Friday, I'll say this one. Apart from that, I was burnt out yesterday because of friday night knowing that i wasn't be knowing that i wouldn't be available to hang out with chris and jim yesterday i made an effort to rally after work on a friday night to go out to the sportsman bar and tavern sportsman tavern in buffalo to go see scarlet begonias they're a dead tribute band phenomenal hands down awesome loved it first experience seeing the grateful dead music being played live Obviously, first time at a Deadhead show. This was a great experience, and I—if you know me, if you—if you know me personally, if you've seen me at a show, you know that I like to dance. I'm a big fan of ska, so I am going to be moving. Chris, <laughs> he called me out within like minute and a half of arriving. So me, my, me and my friend Jay, a challenge from the other show, we came in. Uh, we came by like 20 minutes late. I'm coming, and I go walking up to him, him and Jim, and I'm like, "Hey, what's up, guys?" and uh. Like, I don't know, shoot the shit, saying hello, and start watching the music, and Chris just leans in, and he goes, yeah, so everyone in this front is going to be dancing by the end of the night. I'm not going to judge anyone on dancing. I'm like, all right. I'm like, all right, well, I, I, guess I'll, I guess I'll start moving my feet at some point. Gave myself three songs, well, it probably really was only one song, well, well, it was one song, but I'm pretty sure it was three songs smashed into and stretched out with a reprise. After that, I was moving and grooving on the dance floor, and I was, feel, I was just loving the energy, the atmosphere. It was before the drinks even hit in, I was feeling it, and it was phenomenal. Loved it. Uh, I, I highly recommend it. If you're in the Buffalo area, check out Scarlet Begonias. They're really cool. They're fun, and I believe they're playing next month sometime. I got to go check it out. Got to go check it out. Uh, but I know it's kind of funny is that we're going to kind of have do a little bit of bookend where I'm going to start off with music this week and end with music. So, well, you know, maybe we'll circle back to that. Maybe we won't. Uh, but that was really all that's really been going on this week for me. Um, still married. And, yeah. So, that's what was going on in my week. Let's go see what's going on in the world. I kind of hate looking up world news and seeing what's going on in the world. We do it to talk, we do it to talk and discuss, you know, you know, what's going on and give feedback and kind of get everyone else's opinions and I guess stay relevant. It, it's all good, makes sense. We should do that. That's why I let Chris and Jim usually try to bring the heavy hitting hard topics, the 
No. The swing, swing and just hit it out the park and be like, oh, man, we're talking about weather balloons today. Sweet. I'm not going to bring that. I'm going to let one of them bring it. I like to bring the little fluff pieces, a little fun stuff, uh, the, the goofy news or, you know, fun factoids type stuff. And I got a couple different articles we're going to go through today. Um, I, I read, <laughs> the, I've got the headlines read. Uh, I have a couple different websites to let you know where we have them from for news sources. And uh, let's get through, let's go through and give some opinions on this. So first up, first news we got going on to the day, on today is, I, I went local. I found this on uh, Channel 7's WKBW, ABC Buffalo. And this is Divorce Registry. These sisters started a company to help support those going through a divorce, which I think is cool. There's an article um, is by uh, Chloe Nordquist. It says, that you've heard of wedding registries and baby registries, but how about a divorce registry? And basically, she explains that there is a company for, um, there's a company owned by uh, Olivia Howell. She's a CEO and co-founder of Fresh Starts Registries. Um, it was so, it was when her and her husband had decided to go through divorce, she realized that, you know, she was going to be losing half of her stuff. There was emotional support that you need. There was counseling, grievances for other people that, you know, go through divorces as well. And she decided to come up with a company to say, hey, let's. Know, kind of put that all together and get you an idea to, you know, set up a registry to get items. And why why do we have the stigma about how divorces are bad? We know we're here to celebrate birthdays. We're here to celebrate weddings and baby showers and everything. And that's awesome. But, like, when, when someone goes through a divorce, they really need support. And that's what this website's for. It's help set you up. Uh, it's helped. It's to help bridge the gap and how to help teach people to support and, uh, you know, find you know, basically help be able to give a source to where to ask for support and find the help. Um, this platform allows users to create a registry. It's gone through, it's powered through Amazon for items they're going to need after major or other uh, major life changes. It also provides them with a list of experts from therapists to divorce lawyers and coaches. Um, let's see. Yeah, so I mean, I, I, I think this is really cool, and it was kind of like, oh, man, that's really awesome, and I don't know, it, it, the fact that it's a little Buffalo company, and they're, they're putting, um, the fact that it's you know, from the local Buffalo News, and it's what they're doing, I think it's really cool, and it's, it's a, uh, I don't want to say an untapped market, but it's kind of like wedding crashes, man. You see, everyone, know, everyone crashes weddings, but at the very end, when you're crashing the funeral, that's the untapped market, right? I think right here, we, we're on to something. Myself, as a wedding DJ, I, I've... Seen many wedding DJs, many wedding planners. You never see divorce planners out there. I'm thinking that there is a market and you can fill it. So if you got a if you got a business idea and you, you fit in that that niche, why not? So that's pretty cool. Um, some other articles that I found today, as I said, I don't like to go through like big drama world news. So I actually tuned in over to Florida for the next one. So this is an article from Florida's. Digital Journal, um, it's saying clickorlando.com. It says, local news. Lock them up. Put your ex behind bars on Valentine's Day. No, for real. Uh, okay. Oh, that's why. Okay. So this is from like a week or so ago, but I thought this was just too funny to even mention. So yeah. So apparently down in Florida, uh, in Os Os Osceola. Oh, man, I'm going to mispronounce that. Please, guys, don't hate on me. Osceola County, uh, Florida. Uh, what could make Valentine's Day more perfect than putting your ex behind bars? The Osceola County Sheriff's Police are <laughs> is asking people to turn in their exes who may have outstanding warrants. Um, we'd love to meet them and treat them to a, Valentine, to a Valentine's Day surprise, the sheriff officer wrote on Facebook. 
um, to report Crimeline anonymously, and they gave it the, the whole phone number and everything to do that. And, and that right there, I think, was alone. Oh, there's a nice little tiny uh, ad card for it to kind of like an old Valentine's Day card. So I think that, that was that was alone. That was kind of funny. I was like, oh, man, uh, Valentine's Day, you're alone. You have nothing to do. Uh, you know, you, you, it's what I said, the, the singles. You, you have nothing to go on. And no, watch out for those cops. You never get that vindictive act that's going to be like, I'm going to send you to jail. So that happened in Florida. As well as this is this is the actual good Florida article that I did want to bring up. This is this is funny as hell. I wish kind of wish Chris and Jim were here to comment on this. So another one from Florida. This is from the sixth Florida. I'm sorry, six South Florida. It looks like the NBC. Yeah, Peacock. Yeah, NBC. Um, this is from Okaloosa County, and the headline states: Florida man tries to flee deputy deputies on a riding lawnmower. Um, so the so the county sheriff officer said office said that it was uh, trying to serve an arrest warrant for the forty year old man and when they found him he was in the backyard on a, a riding lawnmower and I'm I see the the picture of it right here and it's one of those gi- like giant like a uh, tractor ones that you have the handles that steer so like the two levers that you turn in either direction and when they arrived they tried to stop him and he tried to escape on the lawnmower and when he, when he didn't come peacefully they shot him with a taser gun. And when they tased him, they found out that he ha- they found a revolver, handcuff key, and a pipe with methamphetamine residue on it. What the hell are you doing with that handcuff key while you are mowing your lawn? Like, what is this? Some, like, Gerald's Game stuff? I mean, like, you're Florida, so I get the revolver. I mean, that's the, I mean, okay. The pipe with the methamphetamine, okay, I get it. But like the handcuff key, well, where is that coming in while you're riding your lawn? While we're like, honey, don't go anywhere. I'm gonna go mow the front lawn. I'll be right back. Here, smoke a little. And then like what? Did did the cops just arrest him and then just like take him in, or did they go check the house? I mean, I'm assuming that the cra- I'm assuming that the pipe with drug residue is gonna you know, warrant them to be able to go into his house and look around. But like, once they get him, are they gonna be like, wait, who's this key to? And what if he doesn't tell them? Is there, is there like, puts a lotion in the basket? Is, is there someone in a well somewhere because of this? I hope not. Will we find out? Probably not. There's probably not going to be a follow-up to this. But it's Florida. So you never know because that, that very well could start your next supervillain. I mean, I mean that, I think, the, the, way, the way comic book movies go and superhero movies and Netflix series, and they greenlight anything pretty much nowadays. And if you can't get on Netflix, you can, most certainly get at the Pluto or Tubi TV. That's a great supervillain backstory. Person gets trapped in Florida man house for years after being only fed methamphetamine beef jerky. As I see it. Um, all right. So yeah, th- those are the news articles I found. Uh, it gives me some opinions. I hope that you guys listening to this got a good laugh and it wasn't just pity humor laughing like, oh, wow, this dude sucks and get Chris and Jim back on here. Uh, but that's what's going on in the world. And hey, guys, let's talk about them bills. The bills make me wanna. The bills make me wanna. So what I have today is actually um, not not like bills discussion pieces, just because it's me and. For all that is holy for the podcast and, uh, sorry, let me correct that. For all that is unholy and unsanctified for the podcast and so that 
Aaron doesn't kick my ass next time she sees me in person, I'm not going to try and tell you about what is happening with the Bills. Instead, what I'm going to do is uh, play a Bills trivia game that I found on UsefulTrivia.com. It is a forward slash sports underscore trivia dash Buffalo Bills trivia. I'm hoping that these are all actually good and right, and then I'm not going to be like, wow, I failed a fake Buffalo Bills trivia. All right, so let's get right into this. Uh, first question. I, I'm planning. Let's see. looks like there's a couple pages. The first page is 10. Let me do the first 10. We'll see how quick I burn through these and how bad they are and see if there's any good humor that comes out of the out of this. I think it was good. Maybe we'll go a little bit longer than the first 10. So. Da -da -da -da. What year were the Buffalo Bills founded? Oh, I want to say 1966. I think it's 1966. Shit, I'm wrong. Okay. Is it 1966? Yeah, I got that right. Okay, it tells me a little fun fact. The Bills began to play as an original franchise of the American Football League, AFL, in 1960. Okay, so I'm going to learn some stuff. You're going to learn some stuff, maybe too, today. All right, next question is, who was the first head coach of the Buffalo Bills? Jim Ringo. I wonder if... Oh, that's Ringo. Uh, that's Beatles joke doesn't work here, I guess. Uh, Joe Collier, that name sounds familiar. Nope, that's wrong. Buster Ramsey. Oh, that one is right. Cool. Uh, all right. So although he was fired by the Bills owner, Ralph C. Wilson Jr., after only two, se two seasons, Ramsey is credited for laying the foundation of one of the best defensive teams in the history of the AFL. All right, cool. And I'm actually going to do this a little differently moving forward. So what I'm going to do is I realize there's multiple respond, uh, multiple answers that I can possibly select from. I'll let you know what ones they are, and then I'll select mine. So what was the name of the no-huddle offense the Bills used under head coach Mark Levy? Options are run and shoot, air, Coriel, K-gun, or West Coast. I think it's run and shoot. Shit. I got that wrong. Okay. West Coast? Shit. It's wrong again. Okay. K-Gun. Yes. All right. I got that. Three. Got it within three. I'm okay. Three strikes, you're out. I only got two strikes there. Two strikes. I'm, I'm good with this one. So, it shows uh, employing the K-Gun offense, known for its no huddle shotgun formations. QB Jim Kelly led the Bills to a record four consecutive Super Bowls. I'm not going to talk about those four. All right. Well, <clears throat> number four is which Buffalo Bill holds the NFL sack record? We have Cornelius Bennett, Bruce Smith, that's who I was thinking of, Aaron Schobel, or Mario Williams. I'm going to say Mario Williams. Fuck. Not right. Um, Aaron Schobel. No. Still not right. All right. Um, I recognize, I recognize Bruce Smith's name. I don't know if he was on the defense. Let me see. Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, got that one. 
I mean, let's see, we see here. So I'm not like the smartest, like in the Bills history knowledge department, but I mean, we're going to do a little bit of learning here. So if you're not like a Buffalo Bills fan or a diehard fan or like a history, bu- history sports buff, like some other people that have been on the show, you're like me, you do a little bit of learning right now. So right here, it states in his 19 NFL seasons, Smith played in 279 games, amassing 200 sacks as he spent most of his career in a three to four defensive scheme that wasn't geared toward creating sack opportunities for defensive ends. Many consider the record particularly impressive. Cool. I think it's particularly impressive that I haven't gotten four wrong in a row yet. Question five. Uh, Why did Bill's RB Thurman Thomas, that's who I was thinking of, miss the Bill's first two offensive plays of Super Bowl 26? Options are he couldn't find his helmet. They lined up a five wide receiver set. I don't know why he couldn't be on the rules. A fan threw battery acid on it. Fuck. I hope it's not that. Um, he was benched for missing a team meeting. What is this fucking kindergarten? Well, you miss school. You can't play your can't play your varsity game tonight. Um, all right. So I'm gonna say <laughs> I hope it's not battery acid. Um, I'm gonna say he couldn't find his helmet. I'm gonna give him benefit of the doubt. Just couldn't find the helmet. Oh, shit. I was right. Okay. Um, he missed the first two plays because the Buffalo Bills first drive because he he misplaced his helmet. That sucks. Man, that really does suck. Like, can you picture being like, yo, we're playing the Super Bowl today. Make sure you got jersey, cleats, helmet. Got to play. All right. Uniform obvious. All right. All right. Huh. Wait. I got my helmet. I'll be right back. Oh, shit. I guess play without him. I don't know. Probably didn't go exactly like that. Those of you that are like diehard Bills fans were like, dude, you, you, you're going to get kicked out of that Bills Mafia. Um, anyway, we're going to jump into the, sec- the, si- the sixth question. It says, who was the first head coach to lead the Bills to a league championship? Mm-hmm. Uh, Chuck Knox, Mark Levy, Lou Saban, and then there's the option they've never won a league championship. I I don't know if this is a trick question or what is considered league. So I would say NFL, so National Football League. To win the league championship would be to win the Super Bowl, I believe. So I'm going to say they never won the league championship. Shit, okay, so I was wrong. Obviously, a league can be like your AFC, I believe. Um, let's say Mark Levy, because I recognize that name. That's wrong as well. Okay, shit, shit, shit. I really don't recognize either of these names. There's Chuck Knox or Lou Saban. I'm going to go with Lou Saban. Yes! Again, saved for the third. Two strikes, hit it on three. Um, right here, the Bills won two consecutive American football title, uh, sorry, two success, uh, two consecutive American football league titles in 1964, 1965 with quarterback Jack Kemp and coach Lusaban. Um, okay. So I was a little wrong. That's okay. Got to do a little bit of learning somehow. Got to learn. Got to learn. Only one way to learn. We're going to jump into question seven. Uh, Who was the first Buffalo Bill elected into the NFL Hall of Fame? Okay, I do recognize some of these names. There's Jim Kelly, Billy Shaw. I 
don't recognize OJ Simpson and then Andre Reed. Um Hmm, I don't know this one. Uh, I I, I want to say Jim Kelly because whenever you think Buffalo Bills, well, I, I guess now when you say Buffalo Bills, you think Josh Allen and everything going on. But you know, my whole childhood growing up, when you think of the Bills, you're thinking of you know, Jim Jim Kelly in that era. So I want to say Jim Kelly. Shit. Okay, that was wrong. So let's see here. Who else could it be? OJ? Whoa. Okay. Okay, OJ. Okay, OJ. Haha. That's not really funny. Um, OJ Simpson was the only player to ever rush for over 2,000 yards in the 14-game regular season NFL format. As of when this was done, I guess. Cool. So, I, I don't know if that's been broken or not. Aaron can fact-check me later, I guess. But OJ, second try. There we go. All right. Question eight. Which place kicker missed a last-second field goal attempt that cost the Bills a Super Bowl? I believe this is Nor- Scott Norwood. That's the first option. Scott Norwood, Steve Christie, John Lee Holt, Pete Gogolot. Ooh, Steve Christie, that name sounds familiar too. Mm, I'm going to say Scott Norwood. Got it right, yes. Scott Norwood is best known for missing a game-winning field goal attempt at the end of Super Bowl 25. Yep, we're just going to pass on by that. But okay, okay, I think that's my first one, right? You got it? Oh, wait. That's my second second one. I only got two right on the first try. I don't know. That's not bad. That's better than what I thought I would get. Uh, Number nine. What was Bill's linebacker Daryl Talley's nickname? There is the Duke of Awesome, Spider-Man, the Hammer, or all of these. Okay. The Duke of Awesome, I'm just going to, I want to click it just to, just because, but I, I don't know. Um, he's a linebacker, so I'm going to say he's a ha- he, the Hammer. Okay, not the Hammer. Well, I think it's all of these then. All right, I got that right. Uh, while with the Bills, Tanley had multiple nicknames, including the Duke of Awesome, Spider-Man, and the Hammer. His cheering section at Rich Stadium was known as the Tallywhackers. <laughs> that is awesome. I love it, man. I love it. That's cool. We need to think of like a name for like everyone when everyone's cheering after Allen or Knox. I mean, if you if you watch a Bills game live, you can hear them when they go when they chant for Beasley as a Beasley. My first time at the game, I was like, were they booing him? Oh, what the hell? But you, you can stretch it out. You can hear them saying Beasley, but okay, okay, that's cool. Um, we need to get some names for us uh, Allen fans out here. <laughs> um, let's see. Number 10. Which Bills wide receiver stripped the ball from showboating uh, defensive tackle Leon Lett in Super Bowl twenty seven? Thurman Thomas. Don Beebe, Andre Reid, or James Lofton? Hmm. I, I, I it's real. It's really. It's really just a game. It's just a guessing game in here at this point. And I am gonna go with Thurman Thomas. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I hope he was at least a defensive tackle. I hope I'm not making myself sound like an idiot right now. Uh, Andre Reid. No, 
Okay, okay. So those are the two names that I recognize most prominently out of these four. I've heard the name Don Beebe, and I think that's only because maybe I'm making it up. I, I feel like I maybe I've heard this name before. James Lofton, I really don't recognize. Don Beebe, maybe I've heard his name. Let's go with it. Yes! No strikeout here. And I got it right. After Buffalo QB, Frank Reich lost a fumble. Dallas tackle Leon Lett picked up a ball with no one in front of him and uh, appeared ready to score on a 64-yard touchdown return as Lett started to showboat just before crossing the goal line. Hustling Buffalo wide receiver Tom Beebe ran Lett down from behind and stripped the ball. Fuck yeah! God damn, that is awesome. I wish I could see that live. I, you know, I've seen shit like that. That is awesome. Um, man, you know, so, so me coming into being a Bills fan, uh, be, being part of this Bills mafia, this whole fandom is, is very new. And I, I don't want to say I'm a bandwagoner because it's, it's not just because they're winning now. I, I am a bandwagoner in the sense that after my after Amber had gotten into the Bills and after watching games with Chris and Aaron and at at the house with Jim, it, that's what that that camaraderie of watching with friends that are really giving having a good time made it enjoyable. My whole childhood was always watching football with my father's family and my uncles and my my grandfather, and it, it's always depressing and negative, and it's always a negative Nancy somewhere. With them here, you know, it's enjoyable to watch, and I mean, obviously the winning helps, but even on a day when they lose, you still rally behind them, and it's fun. I wish I could have gotten back, and I, I wish I would have been more interested and paid Closer attention to, I don't know, maybe the years building up to it so that I can have a better appreciation now so it's not so noobish uh, when I'm doing a Bills trivia. But still, hey, I learned some shit, and you learned some shit, maybe. We'll see. But, you know, after 10 questions, we're going to let it be there. I'm going to send the link over to Chris. We'll see if he wants to end up... Uh, uh, <laughs> I'll send the link over to Chris. We'll see if he wants to end up uh, bringing this back to me. And, uh, and you know what, knowing him and how he works with the podcast, he probably will be like, hey, Anthony. So let's go into some Bills trivia and, like, throw me off my game. If anything, I think what you should do is have Aaron challenge us to this. Because I would be curious to know how much would Chris and Jim know about some Bills trivia. But enough about that. Let's get on to check this out. All right, we're going to be talking about what we're checking out. Um, this, this is when we basically go through what we're watching, streaming, viewing, playing, video game-wise, and all the above. Uh, no, nothing really is that much newer over here with what, we're, with what I am watching and streaming, other than I finished up Dragon Ball Super finally. I really binged through the anime. It's kind of easy because they're like 20-minute episodes when you, take apart, when you take away the recap and the intro sequence. So I burned through that on Hulu fairly quick. There's two new mo- There's two movies that follow it. Um, was it Dra- Dragon Ball Super Broly and then Dragon Ball Super Two? I like to watch those. Maybe I'll ch- catch those out by the next episode. Ultimately, though, what I have right here is uh, I finished up Super. I finished up Dragon Ball Super. It wasn't bad at all. Uh, also, I watched uh, the movie The Darkness uh, recently. I've been craving a good horror movie, and I was like, "Hey, oh, oh, Amber, let's watch something scary." And for us, it's kind of hard. And we have a very, I have a very unique taste of humor that really, you know, scares me. I'm not a fan of the haunted house, the and someone's in the house by themselves and they're getting scared by ghosts. They, they all feel like the same to me. So I really don't enjoy those. I mean, they, they'll scare me, but I, I'll lose interest in it. 
I, I prefer something a little more spiritual, supernatural, but has kind of like a little twist to it. Something give me some kind of like, you know, it's give me a little something a little more than just your standard ghost story. Uh, I'm not that fan of horror slashers. Like, you know, I'll watch a good slasher every now and then, now and then, but I have to be in the mood for it. So for us, it's kind of hard. And we were just going through, and we found it's the, called The Darkness. Um, it stars Kevin Bacon. And essentially, his family goes out to uh, the Grand Canyons, and his son ends up bringing back some stones, which carry some spirits with them. And it, it honestly is right up my alley. It's got that perfect flavor and mix of supernatural, kind of this hell-like, kind of this ghost paranormal demon. But also, it's not following the same thing with... Spirit in the house. Let me get the, let me get the camera. Let me do the Ouija board. All right, now I gotta leave the house. Yeah, a little bit of family ties. I really like that. And it was uh, give me a nice little fresher. And I, I I I had seen it years ago, and I forgot about it until I was halfway through the movie, and I was like, oh shit, I remember that happened. Uh, there's a scene with um with with the, with the mother uh, playing hide and go seek with her son. And I was like, wait, this, this is familiar. And we had one of those scenes where I was thinking, I, I thought I was remembering another movie that I'd watched. And I realized, oh, oh, this is this one. And it was good. So I've actually been rewatching, I rewatched that one. And for funny enough, I have got myself down a, a YouTube rabbit hole the past couple days of what I've been watching for you know, videos. And there is a guy's YouTube uh, where he's discussing uh, chord progression and, mu- and music theory structure for how songs are or for different songs and the different the, the same chord progressions for a vast majority of songs. So like a whole like you know, ten songs that all use the chord progression that follows Pachelbel's Canon. Um, you know, seven songs that all follow the same chord progression with, the, with within different keys that follow a one four five four format or the blues uh, twelve bar blues format. And that has been just sucking me in because it's the past couple of weeks I've been playing a lot more guitar. I've been trying to get better as a musician myself. And one of the things that I'm trying to differentiate is come at it a little more of a structured format, but try to push my limits as like a lead guitarist or as like a melodic player. I'm very much standard rhythm. Give me some basic chords, write some songs, feel it out and be done. And there's nothing wrong about that. But myself, I've been trying to expand and kind of grow. And to do that, I was like, you know, I, have, I don't have years and years and years of college and music. And I don't have years and years and years in a band. And I really didn't grow in the past you know, six or seven because I haven't touched the electric since you know, me and Amber probably first started dating. Going into this video, and just it just broke open a whole new wall of like, oh, shit, I forgot how much I missed theory. And if that's up your alley and you really like music theory and that kind of, I th- that kind of content – this is up. This is up the, your alley. Uh, I'm getting his handle right here, right now. It is um, David Bennett Piano, um, Bennett B E N N E T T Piano, and it's just like five songs with unu- unusual chord progressions. Um, he's got another one that the one that actually hooked me last night was he says uh, 21 songs that use Pachelbel's Canon, and then from there it just I just went into just everything, um, and, and I it was really interesting and. I, I recommend to check it out if you're a musician, if you play guitar, if you were like, th- there's this, there's something I was kind of trying to help, kind of try, trying to teach is that music's very much feeling and emotion, and there is no like, there, there's really, it's kind of like there's no right and wrong way to do it. It's just how you feel it, but there can be elements of math and structure to it that elevates you or separates you or gives you a sort of a mapping to follow with to kind of keep a structure. 
And when you learn to combine those two, you just put you on a whole different level, I feel. So I'm trying to have some structure so that when I put myself in front of other musicians, they're like, oh, wait, I see what he's doing. Okay, yeah. They'll get a little pat on the back there. And this this guy's videos are just awesome. And he's playing a mix of just like modern pop country. He gives a a range of all kinds of stuff. So it's not like he's playing just the same 50s doo-wop and the same 50s songs. He's doing all kinds of shit from like modern to rap to hip hop. It's just really interesting. So go check it out. But that's what I have been checking out this week. Um, We're going to go take a quick commercial break, see what Chris inserts here. And I got a uh, special surprise for when he comes back. Have you been looking for a podcast to listen to? Are you finding yourself bored and staring at the ceiling at 2 a.m. thinking, what the fuck? Why can't I just go to sleep? Well, listen to the Hardly Awesome Podcast for all your sleeping needs. Wake up in the morning with a new attitude and a new outlook on life. Listen to the Hardly Awesome Podcast. Hardly Awesome Podcast is not held responsible for any sort of nightmares experienced. It's the heartbreaking show of human struggle, love, redemption, and hot morons doing drugs in bikinis. Tragedy equals comedy if you give it enough time. Rehab Island. We put Darwinism into the ultimate struggle as people battle addictions and each other in this hit competitive sobriety show. We take people to the limit, push them over it, and run commercials in between. Alliances form. Get out! Get out of this hut! Loves are lost. I thought you loved me! I love the coke! I love cocaine! Hearts explode. And contestants flatline. Rehab Island. Reality finally gets real on CNT. How often does your job call you out of bed in the middle of the night? Well, if you were a doctor, it would be often. And generally, there isn't much time to spare. Coffee, doctor? Oh, fine. Have a camel with your coffee. Thanks. You know, this night work's kind of rough, isn't it? That's right. But a camel's always a pleasure. Yes, folks, the pleasing mildness of a camel is just as enjoyable to a doctor as it is to you or me. In a nationwide survey, doctors in all branches of medicine were asked, what cigarette do you smoke, doctor? The brand named most was Camels. Tens of thousands of doctors, general practitioners, surgeons, specialists, doctors in every branch of medicine were included. And according to this nationwide survey, more doctors smoke Camels than any other cigarette. Try Camels yourself. The cigarette so many doctors enjoy. All right, guys. So I'm back. And I've got something a little special. I was try- I've been trying to think about it for the past couple hours. Really, I got to have to have like a, a topic to do for a solo show for them at the end of that uh, at the end of the episode. When Chris and Jim took over, they did hardly a hist- hardly history. And it was it was fun. And I was like, all right, cool. I guess I'll do something. I was like, you know, maybe I'll have Amber on to do like a couples game. We'll see the married life questions. And then Chris was like, no, let's see solo challenge. I said, challenge accepted. I'll do a solo dolo episode. So I figured I sit right back into the grooves and crack out an album that I love to jam and listen to. So let's go diving, folks. Uh, It's been quite a couple years since uh, we've been here, but we're back. Uh, Let's go diving into the vinyls. That I don't have. This one is, uh, this is one of my, 
if I'm ever in a store, record store and I see this, it's going to have to be like, listen, we're running this through the credit card because this is the vinyl you need to purchase and then take it home and play it on repeat nonstop. It is Streetlight Manifesto's release of Keys B Nights. Now, one of the reasons I love this album, and just I'm going to take a different take. If you've listened to me do Vinyl Divers in the past and you listen to my old show, a little sorry that it was so unpolished and in, in many ways and aspects. I'm going to take a little different approach on this one and give you a brief overview of what I like about it, what I don't like. I'm going to tell you some songs, and we're not going to go track by track like the old show used to, but hey, I'm going to hit you with a bit of uh, Streetlight. So Streetlight Manifesto is one of my favorite ska bands. I've seen them live a couple times. seen them at Warp Tour. My buddies have seen them. Uh, they actually came to Buffalo a couple times, and both times they came to Buffalo. Was it both times or... I want to say they broke the floor at the same venue or two different venues before. One for sure. My friend was at the first time that they were at. They, I think it was at Club Infinity. They were playing, and the floor caved in because it was so aggressive. And that's what these guys are. Basically, up until me discover, up until us discovering and really seeing how Keep Flying is playing, this was like that aggressive band with horns on stage and you're like how did you fit 10 was it how many 10 people i'm gonna do a quick count they got one two three four five six seven eight nine ten yeah 10 people on stage you're like how the hell did you do that and they do it's awesome the streetlight manifesto was my go-to ska band as a kid i found them on pandora on on a pandora playlist through real big fish i will fight i love spotify now i've shut away i've left uh, Apple Music and iTunes, it's not, my, it's not the best for me. Uh, and I'll say Pandora still to this day has the best algorithm. They always give me some of the, my favorite ska. That's how I first found Streetlight. It was their song, uh, three millimeter and, I'm sorry, 9mm and 3-piece suit on this album, which was technically actually is a re-recording of the Catch-22, ska, the ska band Catch-22's album, Keys Be Nights. And 9mm uh, and a 3-piece suit, just blew me away with the up with the speed and tempo and the upstrokes, and then almost had this quippy, the like the scratchy sound to it, or like it's almost like this quippiness that just very distinguishing for Streetlight. You hear this, you're like, oh shit, that Streetlight's gonna be playing, and they're fast, they're fast, upbeat, and it feels like the drummer keeps pushing the tempo the whole song. And you're like, shit, I feel like this song wasn't as fast as when it started. That's one of my favorite parts about them. You just, when you listen to them, it just makes you just scream and jam instantly. Uh, uh, many, 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 uh, many, many, many drives to Rochester. I will be jamming out to Streetlight when I get to drive because that's how it works in the house. You know, who drives gets the radio, and that's if I want to listen to Streetlight in the car. That's how it's happening. So many drives out to Rochester. I'll be I'll be listening to this. Um, some of the highlights off this off the album. It kicks off Dear Sergio. Phenomenal song. One of my favorite songs to play. One of my favorite songs to listen to. Uh, it, it's just you just got perfect tempo and it just sets the tone for Streetlight. Uh, uh, Sick and Sad's not bad. One of my favorite songs is Keys Be Nights. It's actually one of the first acoustic songs. That, or sorry, first acoustic songs. One of the first songs I. I learned and I was able to really play play and sing the full way uh, through in high school. I distinctly remember there's a couple times, there's a, not a couple times, there was one time specifically when I went back to, I was back in my senior year. I went back and visited friends at, uh, at my friend at Weefield and I'm in the jazz room. I have a guitar and I'm playing and a couple of my friends hopped on the horns and we all play, were playing together. And my girlfriend at the time had come in and she's like, 
what is he doing? And challenge was there and he's like hey no like you're getting you're getting a good treat here this is one of his best performances i've ever seen him play it and no one other than us and her was <laughs> only no one else no one else other than us and them were there to, for this little experience it was fun and keys be nights favorite song uh see if i was to say the on the with out of the out of the 14 tracks on the first seven on and on and on keys be nights and dear sergio hands down um, on and on and on. It's got some really great songs. Uh, I'm sorry, really great lines in it. There is one where it's basically talking about how, you know, no matter what, just it's gonna like it's gonna go on and on and on. So please just keep going for it. And it's just a really good like pickup. And then on top of it, it's like a three three minute three minute song, but it feels like it drags moving forward for, you know, seven minutes long. And you're like, oh shit, it's already done. It's one of those kind of. It's this is one of those kind of bands. Second half of it, uh, one of my, my actually I think my second favorite song on this track actually is Christina. She doesn't know I exist. Uh, I love playing this one as well. Chris loves to add his little flavor on it when I play it, and he has his own set of verses that he'll he sings. And over the years, he still uses the same lines. It's it's just one of those. It's, it's a standard in the Mullen repertoire. I love it. Uh, Super nothing's not bad. Nine millimeter and a three piece suit basically. Basically, I I think that one hooked me initially is because it's only a minute and fifty six seconds long, and it's even fat. It's I think it's one of the fastest songs I ever had heard on when I was when I first was introduced to this whole punk ska stuff. And I was like, wow, they're going so fast, they're singing so fast, I can't understand what they're saying. Wow, they're going so fast, they're singing so fast, I can't understand what they're saying. And they start to read the lyrics, and it's about them trying to rob a bank, and the guys have anxiety about breaking in, and he's like, ah, and just the horns are just great. Now. I say horns. One thing with Streetlight is that they're a ska band where they're going to have, you know, your guitar, your bass, and all that, but they've got, like, what? Um, they have a saxophone. They have a trumpet. They've got the Barry saxophone. They'll have uh, usually a French horn. They have a trombonist that will play with them. Sometimes it'll be a French horn. they got a second sa- – they have a uh, – yeah, they have a whole they have a whole set of uh of a whole whole horn section. Sorry, um yeah, they have a tenor tenor saxophone trumpet. They've got their bass guitar, alto sax, Barry sax. It'll come out at times. Trombone. Uh, they have the you know the drum kit, gang vocals. One of my favorite things that they people are just shouting a part of it. Love it. And when you when you see them just hit this with music, it's just like a wall, just whack, just punches you in the face, and it's like that street light. Um, one of the albums I actually almost brought out for this dive was uh, Everything Went Numb. I'm sorry, Everything Goes Numb? Streetlight. Uh, yeah, Everything Goes Numb. And that was uh, released in 2003. And the, one of the first tracks is uh, Everything Goes Numb. And you hear Barry Sachs. It was bum, 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 bum. And it's just like, fuck. That is just beautiful. Love it. And I realized I already talked about everything goes numb on Vinyl Diver. So I said, hey, why not? It's Keys Be Nights. Now, one of the really interesting parts about this album itself is that it, it came out in 2006 for Streetlight Manifesto. But as I said, it was uh, before Streetlight, it was from the band Catch 22. It was released in uh, March 24th, 1998. And it was uh, Keys Be Nights was the debut album from the ska punk band Catch 22. 
Um, it, well, fun fact, it was the only album recorded by the band's original lineup. Um, as a singer-songwriter, guitarist Thomas Kel- uh, Kelnaki, bassist Josh Ansley, and the horn player James Egan all left later the group later that year. Kelnaki ended up you know, starting another band before uh, Streetlight calling um, Bandits of the Acoustic Revolution. or And uh, it's basically kind of like Streetlight, but it also included some strings. Um, I believe they had a, a violin or two and a cello. And... It really, you know, kind of fleshes out more of this folky third wave ska. But by the time Streetlight hit, they've kind of they kind of coined the term fourth wave because third wave was a punk punk ska mix in the '90s, and this is coming out of the '90s and early 2000s, and they have this little bit more of this this change up to it. And they they decided to actually re-release the album through Victory. And Victory was going to just drop the same album as it was and just slap on a different cover for it. And Kelnaki's like, no, 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 I, I don't want that. If we're going to re-release it, let me let me re-record it. Let's redo this album. Let's let's do it some justice. And, and that's where if you listen between the two albums and two two cover two versions of the, there's changes up and down it. I prefer Streetlights versions. Um, there's one I, I will say the Dear Sergio on Catch Twenty Two isn't bad, but still Streetlight is my favorite. They're top five ska bands and even then it's kind of like they're not really like punk ska they're kind of this own unique indie alternative songwriter ska folkyish and with uh streetlight I, when they were when they went to go redo this they you know originally it was re-recorded i believe it was at th- 2003 2004 uh, it was supposed to be released in 2004 and then ended up being pushed till 2006 and for the, the one of the big changes at the very end of their last song one two three four one two three four it's seven minutes long and there's a whole monologue um not a monologue there's a whole little interview t- uh, interview that is done through the talk to text tone that was from is a transcript from Kalnaki's interview about how he, he didn't want to just do the same thing he you know we wanted to redo this we were given the shot to give it to give it give it a good polish to do what we want to do for it this time and i love that it always stuck out to me and, and even at the very end the, the horns and the pieces it's just it's just a fun band so i mean if you want some fun music you, you really just want to have a you want to just go driving around and just start singing and shouting at the top of your lungs and feel a bounce go listen to streetlight go go put keys be nights on after that then go listen to everything goes numb and then somewhere in the between uh yeah i mean the, their cover album they do after somewhere in the between in the between uh, 99 songs of revolution is uh it's a cover album that they have it's not my favorite, not my favorite album. Uh, they do actually a really nice acoustic cover of Linoleum from NoFX. It's not bad as well, as well as Punk Rock Girl from the Dead Milkman. And I actually, I'm going to say they also do really good Me and Julio Down by Schoolyard, as well as Such Great Heights from the Postal Service. Their rendition of it takes the Such Great Heights into techno and then throws that into a horn. So like instead of like the horns, do, 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 is all done horns. And it, it, it's awesome. So go check that out, too, I say. Yeah, go check out their cover album. There, there's some good stuff in there. But apart from that, guys, that is uh, this dive, I'll say. Uh, Vinyl Divers, it's going to stamp Streetlight Manifesto, Catch-22, 10 out of 10, turn it all the way up to 11, blast it, kick it. Uh, my heart's, my, 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 I bleed checkered, and I, my heart pounds to, to, the, to the beat of the, to the drums and trumpet. So I hope yours does, too. So, what did we learn this week? Hmm. Well, I think I should more say ask. What did you learn this week? Because did you learn that Anthony could handle the show on his own? 
Did you learn some new fun facts about the Buffalo Bills that you were unaware of? Perhaps you learned <laughs> about another reason why you're going to stay away from the state of Florida. Or perhaps you learned about why you like Dragon Ball Z and Dragon Ball Super so much. Or perhaps it was musical chord theory. What I learned this week, though, it was that when Chris and Jim need to take a week off, I can handle the show solo dolo. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for coming in and listening for another episode of Hardly Awesome. I am your one of your hosts, Anthony Mullen, and this has been Hardly Awesome. See you guys next week. <laughs>